Welcome to episode 790 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 790 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. Pretty good. Uh, wife's birthday out here. Wife's birthday today. How old's your wife? Sorry? How old's your wife? Yeah, I'm not. She's 21. Again. Okay. Yeah. Again. <laughs> How many years has she been 21? <laughs> many. Many, many years. Does <laughs> age bother your wife? Uh, probably a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah. age bother you? Not too stressed about it. I think it will in another four years' time. Oh, in four years, because you hit 50? Yeah. Yeah. Aging up, but. That's true. You know? Kona, here I come. <laughs> we go peaking. If it's going to be in Kona, who knows where it'll be. Where will we be in four years from now? I Talk is proudly brought to you by. Our awesome patrons. And we've got Ryan Big Red Kelvin. I reckon he must be, uh, Ryan must be a fireman. I think that's why we gave him that. Nice. Uh, George, Mr. Madman Gray. Here's Tony West. Don't be afraid of your dreams. I like that. That'll be one of your ones, I think. Yeah, don't be afraid of your dreams. I like that. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. We are talking to Nikki Bartlett. Um, she's done 70.3 Worlds recently, but more importantly, I want to get her on. She was a guide at the Paralympics, so um, I wanted to have a chat about that. Oh, good times. Uh, Wanger of the Week, questions and answers at the end. John, big news happened over the weekend. Ironman have officially moved the World Championships. It's going to be happening in St. George on May 22nd. And then next year, they're going to have a two-day cone. Now, this is fascinating, isn't it? It is. So I think the St. George was kind of their only option, really, uh, because they don't want to lose money from this. I mean, they're going to lose out a bit by having to pay out pros, but hopefully they'll be covered by sponsors, etc. But tr- trying to recreate another race somewhere in the world yeah. at late notice, yep. probably not going to happen. So you're thinking, Just where can we it. have it? Yeah. This was the earliest race. Good course. I've obviously got a really good community there that support the events. Uh, so I think it's a good move. So it's Pretty cool for the people in St. George. Yeah. Like, how cool is that? Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The key thing though for me is it's a good course for the pros. I'll watch out your water behind your elbow. But yep. yeah. Uh, however, um, for age groupers, I don't think it's going to mean too much because most people have probably already made their plans. So they're still calling it age group world champs? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be a bit like the world champs we had 70.3 uh, the weekend before last. Yeah, it's a world champs, but it's not really. It's but, but hey, beside it, isn't it? Yeah, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, that's, that's so what happens there? So, so St. George would have already been entries. Yep, so they had. I think they had about 1,500 people already entered, so they automatically can race at a world championship. And what's the number of athletes that they can have, St. George? Oh, they'll be able to crank out heaps there, I'd say. Okay. They'll, they'll make it. I don't think they'll have it. Now, you have limit. the choice to be able to race St. George, or you can delay for another Kona if you're already qualified. Correct. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I think most people are going to wait, aren't they? Oh, you'd think so. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, what, so what, okay. So, more people, more well, spectators. No, I think this, this, this is for, for Kona. And oh, okay. If we move on to Kona, what they've done for October is they're going to do it on a two day format, which people have been, a few people have been called Years. out before. Yeah. However, I don't think it's very practical. We'll wait and see. The reason I, we'll go through the positives. So when we talk about two day format, is it going to be all men's racing one day, all men's racing all females the next day? There was wasn't huge detail, but what it, that it was insinuated was that on the Thursday that'll be all the women, you know, pro women's race, all the age group women, and there will be some men there because 
the size of the women's field is a lot smaller than the men. So what they might do, I don't know, they might put maybe the older older men in there. Okay. I'm not, not quite sure how they'll structure it, but there will be, by the sounds of it, some men racing on Thursday. And then on Saturday will be the pro men and the rest of the men. So there's some good benefits to this. So first of all, you'll be able to get a lot of athletes in there. Mm. You know, and you'll be able to catch up on the kind of backlog we've had over the last few years. And that's exactly. I, I don't think this will be a permanent move. I think this will be yeah a backlog catch up, as you said. Yeah. But the cool thing with but this, what, why can't it be? Okay, okay. Let's go positives first. So more people on the island is awesome because at Kona, you think it's a world champ, it's going to be pumping. It's a very lonely course. You have quite a few people within a mile of transition either yeah. side. And then it's like See nothing. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. on the run, I suppose, on the elite drive, you have a smattering of people along there. But that's only in the first part, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So more people, more spectators, that'll be cool. And also for the men's race, you're going to have all the females out there watching, so yeah. that's going to be cool as well. So I think that's a positive. The other positive I see is the the females pro race is going to get a lot more coverage, which I think is going oh, to yeah, be great. Yep. Granted, it is on a weekday, so people might not be able to watch it with quite the same intent that they would at the weekend. Yeah, but let's be honest. For, for the majority of people, Kona is a come in, come out thing. Mm. You know, not many people, like I think I've done it two or three times in my life, sat down and watched eight hours of Kona. Mm. You know, Kona is that thing where you go in, you kind of keep an update, you you know for Kim you're obviously going to kind of stand around for the last bit of the race, but for most people, if you're at work and you're doing some work, you probably pop in every couple of hours and just see what's happening in the race. Yeah, and if you're at work, you might just have it yeah, rolling around on an iPad, yeah. so it may work out better for some people. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, you know, we we always watch Kona and there's there's you know maybe three cameras out on the course. I don't know, maybe maybe there's more than that. I'm not sure, but there's not heaps. But now all those cameras are going to be on first, second, third, fourth, fifth or whatever. Oh, true, yeah. So you're going to have a lot better insight into the race. And if there's any moves, hopefully they won't miss those moves like we might have seen in the past. So that's positive. Does it influence the female race at all? Because I know they've got the gap between, the 15-minute gap between the pros and the, it's a half-an-hour gap now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't think the... Age the, group men don't really become a play in the game nowadays? No, no. no you get okay. the very fast ones catching up, but... But, but they're not influencing not, the race. Yeah, they're not catching okay. up to the lead woman. The other thing is that they've done, and there's not many positives out of COVID, um, <laughs> but the thing here, now they're going to have 50 women, so they've kind of... Oh, okay. It'll be interesting to see uh, if they keep that rolling well they, can't, they, they have to. Yeah, you've got to. You can't go backwards. It, but it doesn't mean... They don't have egg on their face now. Because yeah. if that, they'd, they'd said, oh, no, we're not having 50, we're not having 50, we're not having 50, they were kind of just stuck in that position where they... I think they felt they couldn't fold. Yeah. And now they've gone, oh, yep, no, we can have 50. And I think from here on, it'll be 50. So that's another positive. Well, it's going to be pretty hard to backtrack it. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I'm kind of curious to see long term... Now, you've got here in the negatives, the locals aren't going to like it. Now, one thing that COVID could have done is could have made the locals realise, shit, we need Kona here. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you need the Iron Man here. Um, so, in some ways, it could have been some benefit, because I'm sure they saw the cost of not having Kona there this year, mm-hmm. or having Absolutely. the race there this year. Mm. You know. Now, one of the things you're saying, where's everyone going to stay? It, like, regular time in Kona, when it's just the one-day format, Getting accommodation is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so I see that is the really the, the two big negatives are where are you going to stay, and there's the, like the restaurants are packed and everything like that. So just don't know if it can support twice as many people mm. going forward. And as as Bevan said, the locals, you know, anywhere you're going to hold a race, you're going to have a lot of unhappy people. But in Kona, there's there's, there's two roads, you know. So you are isolating people fully mm. for two days. 
plus all the rigmarole in between. So I think there'll be a bit of a local backlash, but hopefully the, the positive people and those that benefit will, will outweigh the, the negativity. Now, this hasn't been announced, and, and, and it's, I'm sure it will be the normal course, but could they change the course so it is more accommodating to locals? Oh, uh, not really. There's two roads. If you go on the other road, then you're shutting off the secondary access. Okay. So not really. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else about that? No, we'll, we'll maybe give our opinions around Kona going forward um, once we get to discussion of the week. Uh, but St George will be an awesome course. Um, it's a tough course, isn't it? Yep, tough course. I don't know what the Ironman course is relative to the 70.3, but it'll be a good tough course. It'll be a test for everybody. Um, so, yeah. I think what athletes, you know, like when we go back, we were doing a discussion last week where it was around some athletes were never going to do that well in Kona. Mm. Traditionally, the big cyclists. Yeah. Um, what athletes are going? Oh, yeah. This is this is my one opportunity. That maybe kind of look at Kona. And go. Oh, I wish it wasn't in Kona. I don't think necessarily for the win. There's anybody that's you going. Or oh, they're going to win now. Although by, but, uh, by, by May, as Friday's getting. Oh, God, Friday's a legend. But I'd say a lot. Yeah, you know, there'll be quite a, maybe quite a big difference between say five and fifteen potentially for okay. those bigger athletes. You know, Joe Skipper, who we'll talk about shortly. You know. He doesn't necessarily love the heat that much. Yep. Um, he could potentially do better. And you think back to some of the bigger athletes in the past, guys like Chorborn Sambali, yeah. he got yep. a third once. Um, who was it? Was it Matt, Chris, uh, Chris Lieto? Chris uh, yeah. So some of those bigger dudes, yeah, they would probably relish this a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, easy to track an event where, where that is happening. So Yeah, so they've just tacked on. They're not going to lose money other than paying out prize money here and yeah, so and I we kind of already talked about this, but the age group wills championships, it is what it is. You know, some people will make an effort to get there, but it's not going to be the field we'd normally get in Kona. But hey, this is the times we live in. Next thing we're going to talk about is PTO is building towards a two million bonus at the end of the year. John, they are spending money. Ah, and we've had quite a big shift in the rankings now. So they've done this. The, um, last year as well I don't think they did it the year before um, but it's good money and it's good incentive to get your ranking nice and high and it's the, the positions have kind of stayed almost the same quite a bit since COVID started because they were being nice in terms of you know some people weren't able to travel you know Kiwis for example but now the now we've got a lot more racing coming on a lot more high caliber racing the rankings are moving around quite a bit so we currently see Lucy Charles now has moved into first place Daniela Reef has dropped a second Laura Phillip third Taylor Nib fourth she's never even been in the rankings before and Annie Haug uh, in fifth on the guys' side, um, got Gustav Eden, who's now on top of the rankings in front of Jan Fredino. Sam Long is up in third. Patrick Lang is still fourth. And Daniel Beckengard is in fifth. So, yeah, it's it's, it's an incentive to, to keep racing because there's big money on offer. What races are there? From, from here on in, there's not... Oh, there's, there's still a few coming up. But how does you the points work? Does it work as just if you race more, you're going to get more points? Or is it your top no, no, five races? No, your best... best uh, it, it changed a bit over with COVID and all that, but yep. I'm pretty sure it's your best three races. Okay. Um, but that was being backdated a bit because of COVID yeah, and yeah. so on. Um, but it's your best, best three races. So if you have a crapper... Um, but from here on in, much. like these top fives, there's not going to be any opportunities to um, improve well, their places. Probably not. It, it, yeah, it depends on the the strength of the field that, and how many more people are going to keep on racing. So there might be a little bit of a change after the weekend. I'd say Joe, Joe Skipper potentially might move up um, one or two places. But yeah, you're right. There's no championship events where you're going to get a completely stacked field. Um, so yeah, we're probably not going to see massive changes. Just just going back to the money thing. How much money did they get? Oh, there's, there's two million being paid no, out. No, 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 PTO. Uh, to fund themselves yeah. for a year. Well, 
they've already paid out, they'll be paying out $5 million this year in prize purses alone. Um, you've got to think it's Connor's double that. Ten, them. Ten, you say $10 million a year they're burning? At a guess? Yeah, now the guy was a billionaire, wasn't he? The guy who's back then. Mm. I'm just kind of curious to see, because maybe what he did is he said, here's an investment fund. And we'll use the interest of that investment fund, which a lot of people do, to, to fund the, you know, like we look at what's happening with rugby in the moment in New Zealand. In New Zealand, rugby, the All Blacks are, oh, it's very controversial, but they're basically selling a kind of share of the All Blacks brand to a investment fund. Um, and they're going to get, I don't know, like a billion dollars or something like that. And when you listen to the All Blacks leaders or the the rugby New Zealand's kind of board what they're saying is well we're not going to spend that money we're going to invest that mm. and use the money that the interest from that money to fund this going ongoing so I kind of hope that's happening with this because if, if you know if they got half a million well, 500 million 10 million bucks isn't much but mm. um, or half a billion but 10 million isn't much I'm just it seems like a lot of money's going out yeah. and, I'm, and I haven't seen I still haven't seen the revenue product uh, yet yes. you know Collins Cup was a, our first dip in the water but um, you know, I think we're still a long way off from seeing. Well, maybe not. Maybe it will happen in the next kind of eighteen months. But yeah, the good want, thing with this, it's it's great for top, top heavy. Hundred, I think it's hundred grand for first place, but it pays down to a hundred deep. So it keeps the athletes a invested to get their rankings higher, and you know, you'd hope they're going to support the PTO initiatives going forward. And they did. You know, everybody rocked up to Collins Cup, um, which is what you what you wanted. So good luck to them and. Good luck to you pros for getting your ranking as high oh, as possible. It's your, best, it's your best three races um, in 2021 that are going to count. Okay. It's a massive difference for pros this year. Mm. You know, look how much more money these pros have got from all the races that they've funded, mm -hmm. from all the prize purses, from the Collins Cup. You know, like the pros are making more money. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, we had Ironman Chattanooga happen over the weekend. We did indeed, and it was it was billed as the big race Slow between race. Lionel Sanders and uh, and Sam oh, no. Long. However, uh, Joe Skipper came through, and yeah, he's probably one of the he's won so many races, but he's probably still a bit un underrated. But um, the swim's short. The swim is. I'm pretty sure in Chattanooga it's downstream oh, swim. I was say, it's so, a fast swim. Yeah, it's pretty pretty speedy swim. Um, but Joe Skipper absolutely spanked it. He uh, Jeez, had a great a good swim. Rode a four fourteen. I mean, the swim was forty three minutes. Uh, rode four fourteen and ran a two forty four. Sort of pushed pushed away on the bike with uh, Sam Long, and Sam Long then um, just exploded on the run and, and pulled out. Which he's he's been doing a lot of racing, so it's not hardly surprising. Uh, Lionel Sanders was well beaten in second place. Still a good steady race. He was really happy. He said he um, had a good consistent race, and it was probably one of his best executed events. But he got beaten by the better man on the day. And you know when Joe Skipper rides seven minutes into you, you're going holy crap. And still Joe runs Skipper gained it. Uh, yeah, so awesome, awesome race by Joe Skipper. Ben Hoffman, who we talked about last week, I think it was. Uh, he had a good steady race in third. Got himself a. I think it's a Kona ticket for next year. Okay. I, I don't know what, what they're qualifying for at the moment. Um, are you qualifying for St. George at the moment? Or are you qualifying, no, for, Kona qualifying for Kona for next year? Yeah. because because St. George, St. George will have finished been, in, yeah. in August. So Lionel Sanders went and did all those races <laughs> for nothing. He's qualified for the St. George Ironman, uh, which may well suit him a little bit better, actually. But then he must have qualified for Kona already as well. Well, he'll year. qualify Kona here yeah. now. So, so he's got both of them wrapped up, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Because this year was a bit more pressure-filled. Uh, females race. I've just got to make a comment on Joe Skipper. He's done a shitload yes, of racing eh? this season. So he has done five... Well, he's done Chattanooga, got first. Ironman Switzerland, second. Collins Cup. Lake Placid, he got third. Ironman UK, one. And then he got sixth at Ironman Tulsa. Did a few other 70.3s and things like that. So he has done 
a a lot of travelling and b a lot of racing this season. Good, good on him. Yeah, and good and still performing. <clears throat> you know, it's awesome. Uh, female race, Dojo domination by Sky Monch. Uh, swam forty four, biked a four forty four, and ran a three oh one ten for an eight thirty four oh six. Put that in perspective. You know, like the swim looks like it's probably, you know, eight to ten minutes short. Add on eight to ten minutes there. She still did an eight forty five, eight forty four. It's awesome. Won by 25 minutes over Garut's Literal Day. Uh, and Melanie McQuaid, at the ripe old age, I think they were saying, of 48, uh, managed to pull off a third place with a 9.04.20. Nice. Looks like a great race. The athletes were really buzzing, said it was a really cool course. Had lots of spectators out. Uh, so a lot of positivity down there in Chattanooga. Okay, we also had the World Long Distance uh, Duathlon World Championships. They, ride, they run 10K, bike 150, and then run 30K. That's a tough race, isn't it? And it's, in, it's on the Zoffingen course, which is epically hard. Now, on here, they don't have the splits. You know what, how fast they're doing like, the 10K in? Uh, it's hilly, so it'll be slow anyway. Oh, okay. But these guys are fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sepp Olden from Belgium took that out in 6.06, caned it by 13 minutes and then Merle Brunet from Germany took it out in 7.07, also winning by 14, which she won by 14 minutes. Nice. Uh, 70.3 wise we had Augusta Happen, not the golf. No. 70.3. Ellie Salthouse took that out. I do want to make note of second place who we've mentioned before, Tamara Dewitt. Ran one thirteen oh eight. Jeepers creepers. She outran Ellie Salthouse by six minutes and everybody else by a massive margin. That is insanely fast. It's smoking. On the guys' side, you had Philippe Azevedo take that out with a one ten. So um, that Tamara... And three minutes behind. Only three minutes behind and she outran plenty of the boys. Uh, we also had Cosimo 70.3. And your winners there were Cecilia Perez beating Leslie Smith and Luciano Tacconi beating out Emmanuel Lejeune. We are heading to that kind of gap in the season year where things kind of slow up a little bit, so we don't have much racing happening this weekend. But we did have Super League over the weekend. John, one thing I am a little bit gutted about, and I haven't ended up watching it, but I got the PR release. Oh, I see. I've, I have made special, <laughs> special efforts. I was organising a race, came home, didn't check any emails, no social media all day yeah, until I watched it. Because I, 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 I was doing a race um, out at, uh, I was doing the dog race, the commentary at the dog race. Mm -hmm. And Robin, you know Robin, he, um, oh, you know Robin, nice guy, he doesn't try to follow him And he was having a yarn and he was saying he's going to go home and watch it after. I was saying, yeah, yeah. And then I got home and I kind of forgot about it. And then I checked my emails, winner's off. And I was like, yeah. oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I was not happy. So was it a good race? It was a good race. So it was in Malibu. Uh, it was great racing. Won't mention the results in case you haven't seen them. Um, but the cool thing was it was a beach start. Really like that. Oh, and cool. And there was a little wave coming in and a few of them got slammed by a wave. And it did impact the race a little bit on in some of the events where a few people managed to catch a wave in. It was three races back to back. It was an eliminator format. So people were getting eliminated after each race and sort of during each race. So it was it was really good. Um, I'm going to go through some feedback on Super League on next week's show. We've got a little Super League segment, but definitely worth a watch. Um, the eliminator format, yeah, I'll talk about that next week. It kind of becomes a bit of procession until the last race. Um, okay. Lucy Charles was racing and she spanked the first swim. Um, however, lovely Charles, awesome athlete. Just doesn't have Just speed. hopeless on the bike. Um, oh, okay. She'll be hopeless she on the bike skills wise. Skills wise. Because she's a good biker. Oh, she's a great biker. Yeah. But this course was fully technical. It okay. Was, it was, it's really cool. It's so narrow. And I remember um, Jess Lemont saying, I think it was one of the races, you hardly pedal because you're basically just cornering Surge. and you're just. 
pumping it then, for a little bit and then pedaling and then pumping it and it's just corners all over the place, which is great from a spectator point of view because they're not just sitting in a pace And line. it's a bit of skill. Oh, yeah. You it's know, a great, huge skill. Yeah, like Lucy is a great cyclist. If Lucy Charles time trialed against any of those girls yeah. in a straight line, she'd easily be on par with them. And we saw that from Super League, uh, the indoor ones. You know, She was easy fine with competing against them. And I think she'll probably be okay at most world triathlon races where it's not as technical. So you, she didn't, what result, where did she get overall? She didn't make the last round. She oh, was okay. the last person to get eliminated in the second race. So okay. she just missed out on the final. Um, but surprisingly also, she didn't, she dominated the first swim, but she didn't dominate the second and third swim. And we've got to remember, she did 70.3 world yeah. champs last weekend. So I'm not going to be racing a lot lately. Um, just on that front, uh, was it a good wrap up to the series? Oh yeah, definitely. Totally. Yep. On both the men's and the female side. Okay, good. So if you haven't watched it, we aren't going to talk results today, but make sure you watch it because it's, to me, it's kind of the best product out there at the moment. Uh, a couple of wheel triathlon news pieces, John. Yep, so Jersey, uh, what have I, I've written the wrong stuff down. They're not. Jersey's been cancelled. Uh, it was supposed to be heading to Bermuda for the next round. That has been cancelled due to COVID. Uh, and then we've still got Abu Dhabi, uh, which is going to be coming up in November. One weird move they have made at World Triathlon is, so they cancelled um, the race in, where did I just say, where's Bermuda? Bermuda, yep, the triangle. Um, but they've moved the World Junior Champs to bloody somewhere in Portugal. And I'm like... How can juniors reschedule to go? They yeah. were planning on going to go to, you know, and so they're meant to be in Bermuda. Bermuda, and they've gone. Okay, that's cancelled. We'll have them in Portugal anyway. It's like how can make their changes to, to head over there, especially in the current climate, especially in junior level, because yeah. how much is junior funded by governments? Uh, a, a lot, uh, enough to travel there for most. Okay. For most, okay. but it's just like uh, I feel feel for the juniors when you don't have a world champs for two years, but it'll kind of be a world champ title with a bloody big asterisk next to it anyway yeah. future future doesn't know that mm. you know uh quick accuracy for austria yeah i was we've always talked about austria and wrote and the different courses in yeah. short and we had some really good performances in austria last week and i kind of said ah oh, well, short. It's, it's short um and it certainly used you, to be you short. disregarded their performance and i hadn't had time to do my monday course accuracy check which i did do Later in the week, he had a quick look through, and I just I sort of looked at the winner, Denny Chevro's um, Strava file, and he got forty two point one kilometres on the run and one seventy nine point six nine. 179.69k and on that's the bike. accurate, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I saw and a he couple went to of, Yeah, I saw a couple of run files that were maybe a slightly shorter, but but only marginal, and then. Most of the bike files were all in that 179 to 180 range. So good on Austria for getting the distances right and good on those athletes for absolutely killing it. How with about a that 235. Run, yeah. And and I said last week, I said, Oh, there's all these times in the two forties on the, the boys' side, you know, obviously that's short. It wasn't. The standard of running, and I keep saying this at the moment. The slightly cooler temperatures in September are just showing a massive impact. And there will also be the shoe factor as well. Now again, what's the fastest run time? Uh, it's about that, isn't it? Right up there. Man, uh, imagine a day when we see a sub two thirty. Yeah, we're going to see it. Yeah, but I would say that, that you know you do have to factor in the shoes as well because we're just seeing world records yeah, all over the place. It is true. It is true. Uh, so I don't know, but but it's bloody impressive. Lots of times in the two forties. I'm just pulling it up now, Bevan. Uh, that is the fastest run of all time. Oh, there you go. He's got the first fastest two of all time. That's amazing. Hats off eh? to Denis Chevro. He's got 235.18 in Austria and then 236.02. You, you ran a 238 in, in a marathon, didn't you? 
I did. Imagine doing that in an Ironman. Yeah, that is pretty sure that was three forty-five per k. I'm pretty sure that's so. He's probably averaging about three thirty-eight or something like that. Yeah, very impressive. Ben Hoffman's got third fastest time with two thirty-six oh nine. Uh, Patrick Langer also set this year in Tulsa with a 2.36.45 and then Bart Arnott's Ironman France in 2013, 2.37.01. I love it. Awesome. Absolute excellence. Okay, guys, we're going to do a pause because we're going to do an interview, so we'll be back to talk about Hot Topic in a second. Okay, we are back. We've got a, we did an interview, but we, we're introducing that soon. So let's go to this week's discussion. This week's discussion was, if Ironman does hold, not hold the 21 World Championships in Kona, what should they do? We kind of know what they're going to do, John. <laughs> what should they do? But this is getting opinions. Okay. Well, what, what, did people get it right? Uh, not many. No. <laughs> well, no. This is what they wanted to happen, not necessarily what they think will happen. Okay. So I'll start down the bottom there. Uh, Kevin Rose says, "Come to, I think it's supposed to be right Mallorca, but it could be a different place. Magicar in Spain. Could go there." Okay, there you go. <laughs> this is us. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Neal's got Kona forever. Ironman was born in Kona. Triathlon is a summer sport. It's known course and conditions for people to train for. Uh, the constant for a world championship is awesome. You don't see Wimble moving to different locations each year, which is a good argument. Uh, but if it's COVID short term, let it happen. One thing I'll pick up on that one is you say it's a summer sport. <laughs> it's not a summer sport if you go to Kona for Kiwis and Australians and anybody in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, true. Uh, John Otaka says for the pros, change from another location for the world champs. For age groupers, have to postpone them, otherwise they'll be shooting themselves in the foot with a bazooka. Good old Matt Shunkerton's got a, uh, he thinks he's funny here. He's got a whole Tiddly Week championships over Zoom. <laughs> but then Mick Simpson's got go somewhere else. How many other world championships are held in only one place? We, now, you could say in the sports like golf and, you know, the key events are... Yeah, uh, yeah. Because golf doesn't have a world championship as such, does it? They do. do they? Yeah, they do, but it's not a big deal. It's not like no. winning a major. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Dustin Quigley says, start giving refunds. Oh, he wants his money back. Duncan Penfold's got one of the big reasons I pushed myself so hard for many years to compete is to compete at Kona. So it'd be really deflating if Ironman moved the age group race to the mainland America. The pro race should absolutely rotate it around the world. So he's saying... Age group. But then if you go to Kona and it's year without the pros, would you feel a bit cheated? We'll discuss that mm. later on. I've got my opinions on that. Oh, you've got your opinions. Jeff Lockhart said, put it on hold for longer. Kona is the home of the world champs. Travel restrictions for foreigners would probably be the same for any other US states anyway. Uh, Swanee Noah's got, uh, generally considering having it somewhere else, including shock horror having a world championship somewhere else in the world. Colin Bieloski uh, says, hold it in Penticton or New Zealand, one of the original Ironman locations. Again, in New Zealand, we're not letting anybody in. We can't get out, can't get back in. Yeah. Uh, we're Penticton, not even letting Kiwis back in. Yeah, and Penticton is uh, too late in the season. Uh, Rich Walker's got, uh, hold the whole shebang in October 2022. Uh, cancel the 21 World Championships like they did last year. There will not be a world champion for 2021. And that's the thing, next year you're going to have the 21 World Champion in May mm-hmm. and the 22 in, in October. Um, Roland Rays, when you tell people you compete in a triathlon, they say, oh, that's the one where you swim for miles, you ride your bike for 100 miles, and then you run a marathon in the heat and the gusty winds in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, you're an Ironman. If they move the championship race to another, another location, please call it something else and don't use the brand name Ironman. It's not an epic race and it's not the same. I've got to say, Rich Walker, I, I didn't give him enough credit here because I didn't read the rest of his posts. He's got, but accommodate, so he's saying do it all in October, accommodate the age groupers, make it a two-day event, 
Age group woman on Saturday and Sunday for the men's. Akona must remain the destination. So he actually picked it right. It was good effort. Uh, Michael, I'm going to say Giard has got here. Move it for this one time. It's already been deferred for 2020 for many of the athletes. Enough is enough. Roller, Robert Pickard, he knew what was happening. He said they'll run it in Utah so they get the age group numbers. You got it right, Roland. And I did say last week, though, I, I think they'll move it to the... To you did do, yep, you did do that. Uh, Rich, um, Richard Palmer's got move it. When the pandemic is over, go back and look how great the 73 is in different locations around the world. And that's one thing. The World Championship is American-dominated. What do you mean? As in the location. It's always in America. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? Totally. But the, the winners is not American. No, 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 no. It's been a long time since America. Well, no, yeah, a long time. When's the last American won it? Was it the boom? Uh, yeah. On the female side, you had the big Chrissy rain. You've had the Daniela rain. You've had Annie Haug. Um, before that, you had Rennie. Uh, so God knows on the female side who's who won it. We can, yeah, we we'll can find out. But on the men's, I think you would be right. Can't. They've had a few podiums on the men's side, but I don't think anybody's won it since the boom. No. It's just the German domination and a few Aussies thrown in there for good measure with uh, Crowey Macker and Crowey Macker and um, Pete Jacobs. Oh, and then yeah. you had Freddie Van Leer one year. Pete and Jacobs is Germans. the biggest fall from, fall from grace. Hmm. Well, a fall from grace is... <laughs> well, come on. He won the World Championship and did nothing ever yeah. afterwards. Yeah. But he didn't. He didn't fall from grace in terms of doing. Oh, something. not 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 ethically or anything like that. Yeah. As as in falling from the peak of a mountain in a career, mm. to and and people wasn't a fluke. He'd done a few podiums. He was oh, yeah. a great athlete. Yeah, and then just yeah. had health problems. Yeah. Um, who else should I go here? Uh, Terry Punch. Give all the participants a gold medal. <laughs> Same as high jumping. Uh, Paul Fitzpatrick. I have no interest in doing an Ironman, but understand the near mythical attraction of Kona for age groupers. However, the pros want a world champs. Kona is not the priority for them. The prize is. So hold it somewhere else. Many other sports are not location tied. 2006, Pauline Newby Fraser was the last American female. She was South African, wasn't she? Was she Zimbabwe, and anyway, yeah, was she Zimbabwe. switched. Yes, and, she, and actually, because she raced under Zimbabwe for all her races except for the last one. Oh, really? Yeah, interestingly. Well, based on what I'm looking here in um, yeah. Wikipedia. Uh, and so then, born and bred, Karen Smyers. Nine. Let's see if I can get this right. Here we go. 1995. <laughs> yes! That's a good effort, John Newsom. The only reason I know that is because she won... The World Short Course Champs the same year, which were in Cancun and Mexico, which I didn't go to as a junior. I raced in 94 and 96. So what about, what about for, um, Fernanda Keller? She's Brazilian. Got third five times. Oh, yeah. Plus she got a lot of other top tens as well. Yeah, but ne never got a second or a Six years in a row or six years in a six-year period, she got third. Yeah. Five times. Mm. Never close to winning. No, but, but. and ne never really close to second either. No. You know, there was always a pretty decent... Oh, no, one year she only missed out by a minute. But every other time, it's kind of five to ten minute gap. But, yeah, interesting. So it looks like we've got a bit of a split opinion here. A lot of people saying transfer it out of Kona. A lot of people saying keep it in Kona. Okay, your thoughts. Um, so my thoughts, I reckon, and I've thought long and hard about this, Bevan, because initially I was thinking, you can't move the world champs out of Kona. I, I agree with, the, with the, the pros, you just got to do it somewhere. So I think for that regard, yeah. they've made the exact right decision this yeah, year. Yeah, I actually think they've got it right. Yep. Boom, world champs, good hard course. Two days in Kona is a good idea if they can make it work. Age group world champs in Utah is not really going to mean much, but no, hey. It is what it better is. Have and everyone's accepting of it. Something that would be better than nothing. Go back to Kona in October. However, then what's going to happen? And I think, potentially, it's 
could be a watershed moment, baby. It could be a game changer. Yeah, I, I, it's un- you're influencing <laughs> your sport. It's unprecedented times. Uh, I think that Iron Man could have their, potentially have their cake and eat it here. Here we go. And the rationale here is Kona could potentially become a bit like a Boston, a London, uh, you know, the big marathons of the world, or, yeah. you know, you think maybe the tennis tournaments and things like that. Athletes will still want to go and do Kona if it's not the world champs for age groupers, I think. You do? I, I, think, I think it loses its appeal. It loses a little bit, but I still think they'd go. I still think they're going to sell it out every single year, not have a problem selling it out. So you'd still have some sort of qualification <laughs> process. Let me carry on. Uh, so, if, you know, say, say we went and did Ironman New Zealand or you go into yep. Ironman yep. UK. So you're still, still you, same game. You get, a, you, get a slot, you, know, you get a slot for the world champs, wherever they might be, and you can get a kind of slot as well. Um, or oh, wait, you get two up, slots. Or you get some sort of system. With, I don't know whether you've got to choose between the two. Or, or well, I whatever. think they're really cool, Kona. Because if, if, if you're going to be, you get two, okay, I win my age group Ironman New Zealand, mm-hmm. and then you get to go to Kona for the world age group championships, and you get to go to the race where the pros are doing their race. Well, no, you, no, Kona wouldn't be the world champs. Kona would just be the Kona Hawaii Ironman. I'm not going to Kona. I'm going to be world champs. I'm okay. going with the pros are. That's, that's, I think a lot of people, if you hadn't done Kona though, would you have had the same opinion? So you, I think over time Kona would lose its appeal. Yep. I think in the first couple of years you're going to find Kona, yes, I want to do Kona. And then five, ten years later, Kona is just another race. I think it'd still have that, that world marathon appeal to it. Anyway, I want to carry on with the rest of my okay, points. There we go. So I, I still think, yes, it will lose some appeal. But I still think they'll be able to fill it up year on year on year with, with age groupers. But it won't be the world champs. But, and that's my question is do age groupers want to go to Kona because it's the world champs or because it's Kona? And I was running with, uh, with, with someone the other day and they said basically like this argument here, if the world champs weren't in Kona, I'm not going. Yeah. So they, he said, I want to go to Kona. He hasn't been before. Um, if the world champs are somewhere else, I'm not going. Uh, I'm only oh, going. he's saying he'd go to Kona. Uh, he, yeah, he, he wouldn't. If they moved the world champ somewhere else, he wouldn't go to that. He just wants to go to Kona. So he's kind of in a similar boat to you. He just wants to go to Kona. I think irrespective of whether it's world champs or not, it's like, I've got to go and do Kona. Yeah, but I think what you're going to find is those people... Okay, so let's say... And your, your last point is that you'd have it every three years in Kona. Yeah, so you'd go different locations, come back to Kona maybe every three years. See, I think what you're going to find... Because the appeal of Kona is, is A, the history. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem. is It's, a world cha- it's, it's interlinked. And then to separate that kind of hurts it because at first you're going to go, okay, well, I can get to Kona this year, I get to do the iconic race. Mm-hmm. But then you turn up, it's not that, it's not, it's not, it's just another Ironman. Because the cool thing about Kona is you're walking down the street and you're going, you know what? Everyone qualified to be here. Mm. Everyone's a legend. You know, the, not just the, you see the pros riding up and down the street. It's, it's just the cream of the crop of the sport. If you take the world champs and age group champs somewhere else, it's, it's cool. You get to do the race, yeah, but it's not that, mm-hmm. and you know you don't have Mark Allen doing talks and things like that. You know, like it's. I think ultimately it would probably work for a couple of years, and then the long term, every third year I was in Kona, mm-hmm. everyone would get on that ticket. Mm-hmm. But then eventually, long term, it actually wouldn't be that appealing. Sure, it'd sell out, but it's all most Ironman races are going to sell out. I'd be interested to know from the athletes that go to Kona regularly. You know, in terms because my feeling at Kona in the age group racing is uh, at a guess I'm going to say 25% of the field are racing. regulars oh, are regular, okay, regulars yep, yep. that go most years and the rest of the, the, the other 75% are it's one and done's that one and done's or yeah or yeah, yeah. Um, but then I guarantee if you're a regular you probably wouldn't go back if it wasn't a world championship no no totally and then that opens a door 
for more people to go. So I'm I'm an inclusive nature here, Bevan. I yeah, I, 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 just think, I, agree. I, think I think Iron Man can win out of this. Because I think it'll still gonna, sell out. Yeah, but it's always going to sell out. That's not the problem. Is it? Would it be? I think if I let's say I, I was doing my first Iron Man and I and I managed to qualify, I got to go to Kona. I would feel oh, I'd be going. Oh, I hope it's the year that the World Championships here. Mm-hmm. I would as well. And that'll yeah. be harder. That, that'll be a harder year to get in though. Yeah. So mm. I know from my perspective, you know, I need to go back to Kona and, and really do a good Ironman there. And for me, if it's a World Champs or it's just a Hawaii Ironman, it doesn't bother me that much. I agree. Oh, come on. No, no. Let me fucking finish. Come on. <laughs> come on. I would prefer it to be the World Champs, but I would rather, I'd be happy enough going there and doing a really. Solid would you really? But so I would. But I would prefer it to be the World Champs, but I wouldn't be. It would not be a complete game changer. Equally. If they said we're having the world Ironman champs in Australia and that was going to be on a really cool course, I'd be motivated to go and okay, do that. Okay, so you're coming up to 50 soon. Yeah. And let's say we're doing your theory. Mm-hmm. And it's a year away, so you can either do it this year where it's just Kona mm-hmm. without, and the world champions in Australia. Or you wait a year and you go to Kona for world championships. What would you do? It would depend on lots of factors. No, but if it was just, you know, purely which would be most appealing? Oh, Kona would be more appealing to go and do that. No, but if Kona was a world championship or if it wasn't? Mm. Um, would you wait a year to go to one where it was a world championship? Probably not. Really? Yeah. So yeah. I would. I'm much more focused on getting the performance right. The placing, yeah, I enjoy placing. But don't you want to measure yourself against the greatest athletes? Well, you don't get, you go to Kona each year and you look at the, the age group that, the 10 people in the age group from year to year, I'd love to know actually, in our age group, you look at the top 10 from one year the next year, how many people are going to be the same? And I'd say it's pretty few. Um, you, have, you have those few at the very front. So it's always going to be a strong field. But you say you get, if you get ninth in Kona, I'm not saying I'm the ninth best triathlete in the world. I'm saying I got ninth at Kona in that particular year. But there's probably another 20 Yeah, but, but the argument's an interesting one because it's like, it's a, like I won New Zealand Fitness Instructor of the Year three times. Now, it's flawed because not everyone gets entered. So, you know, but, race in front of you. but I'm one of the people who are in that discussion. Mm. You know, in New Zealand, there's probably 20 instructors who could win that award, and I'm one of them. Now, you're saying that you know you're never going to get the best age group field in any one Kona race. Never. But most years, you're going to probably get the top five percent of athletes in the world will be mm. in that top ten. So, if you get a top ten at the World Championships, when the World Championship field's there, that's still an amazing achievement. Mm. And and I'd argue. It's more of a challenge for you to get performance in that field than if you just went to Kona and had a good Ironman race by yourself. I don't agree with that. I, I'd be if I if I went to Kona in a World Championships year and I got um, say I got seventh or whatever yep. what I did, um, and if I went there in a non-Kona year, but uh, non-World Championship year, and I finished first but I had a shitty race. I don't, I don't know. It's for me. It's more about the performance, the placing. Yeah, it's nice to be on the podium. But don't you think but the fact that it's an age group championship puts a bit more pressure on you? Mm, for some people, but for and, me and, personally, that, and that's the challenge. Mm. Is how do you how do you perform under that pressure? Mm. Anyhow, I think that I, I think Ironman can have the cake and eat it. It will diminish things a bit, but um, I, I do disagree on this one, mate. Yeah, but hey, but um, interesting. I, I, I'm fascinated. If I was if I was in your shoe, let's say I'm coming up at fifty and I'm and I can, now I'm of ability where I can qualify and get to Kona. And it was like this year was the non. I'm going. Well, mm. well, I'll wait till I'm 51 because mm. I want to do it. With, you know, with you know all that stuff. But it's an interesting discussion. I do think they've got it right this year. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see what they do in the future years. Yeah, interesting. I tough. think they'll just stick to the tried and true with Kona, but I think they've got an opportunity there where you could 
make create another world championship event, you get all the money that flows in from that like you do with the 70.3 worlds and still have a really good Kona. What about if just Kona always stays the age group world champions but pros doesn't always? Yeah, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Mm. That's to me probably the better solution if we, if we are going to change things. Mm. Because you've got that the whole argument as well. You've got all these good age groupers who are maybe bigger, bigger athletes can't particularly do well in Kona. Yeah, that's true. Keep for us Kiwis, it's really hard for us to do well in Kona because we're coming Time out of, of winter, yeah. and it makes it a lot fairer if you move it around a bit. Okay, this week's discussion. Luckily, I'm right again. <laughs> <laughs> this week's discussion. If you were to race Ironman World Championships in Kona before, how motivated would you be to race? A different Ironman championships in a different venue versus going back to Kona. So that's kind of what we are talking about before. So we'll get deep into that. Okay, John, interview. We've got Nikki Bartlett. She raced in the Paralympics as a guide, so we want to talk to her all about that. And here we go. Righto, team. Uh, today we've got Nikki Bartlett on the show because I wanted to talk about Paralympics mainly. But when I was contacting Nikki, she was off at 70.3 Worlds, and I thought, oh, well, she, she raced pretty solidly over there. We might as well get a bit about that. And, and now we've got the Ironman news as well. So we'll, we'll definitely want to focus on Paralympics. But um, welcome back to the show, Nikki. Two times in one year or was it 2020 we talked? I can't remember. Uh, I think it's, yeah. To, oh, I don't know. But yeah, thanks for, for having You're me You're very back popular. On. You're very popular. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Thank you. You haven't done that many sort of world championship races, you know, partly due to COVID and stuff. You've done 70.3 worlds, I think, at least once. You've done Kona, I think, once. Um, yeah, what was your, why did you choose to go over to 70.3 worlds when, you know, there's a lot happening in Europe at the moment? Do you know, what? it was actually a really good question. And we actually honestly didn't make a decision until pretty last minute. Um, I think we made a decision like six weeks out, perhaps. I like, I accepted my slot. Thank God, obviously, I did. Because um, I actually got that slot in 2019. Oh, wow. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I accepted my slot. And, um, yeah, I decided to fully take it uh, in this, yeah, literally six weeks before. And it was, do you know what? Actually, we were weighing it up because obviously had, like, uh, I'm a Nice 7.3, which was, like, the weekend before, and that had a massive prize purse. I think, like, the win at Nice, which Spirit won, um, you know, you'd have to come to, like, fourth or fifth at the Worlds. Um, right. to get the same right. kind of prize money um, so yeah you do have to weigh all these things up but I thought you know what I've always wanted to go to St George um, I actually chatted to Lucy Gossage about it like um, you know it was one of those decisions we went for pure happiness and just going to a location we've always wanted to go to nice. um, and what a better way to celebrate that than a world 7.3 champs you, you pulled off a top 10 you came in ninth. was that kind of where you were kind of at at the moment or was that a disappointing result where does that sit no, that was uh, top 10 was our aim. Um, right. So, yeah, so yeah, achieved all the aims and there's a lot more to come. Like I had a terrible swim. Um, but yeah, I know there's a lot more in the tank, but I ultimately got the goal I was going for. So um, one of those, yeah, really chuffed a bit, but excited because there's loads more to come. How do you pull it together when, you know, when you, you, you know you're having a bad swim, you get out of the water. How do you keep your head in the game? Um, to be honest, I, I, I'm not making it sweet up, but I knew going into the water I was going to struggle. Um, okay uh so yeah so I went into water kind of knowing that so I thought so I kind of like prepped myself for it um but I gave up and I couldn't swim just with a little bit of hope that I might go well which is annoying because I've been swimming that well all year but you know 
these things, these other things happen sometimes. But um, no, like I came out and I had a great bike and run, and it's actually a, a fun chase game on the bike, <laughs> um, just picking people off. So yeah, so I just stuck to my plan and and was just soaking in the scenery and the course, and it was just a beautiful day. Um, so yeah, you just you do you do have to mentally kind of look at the positives. Like it's so easy to look at negatives, but yeah, you just pick out the positives and just give it all you got. And, um, you know, I know you, you may not know what the course is like for what's going to be the world champs next year, but for age groupers and other pros, you know, how would you describe the course? Um, it's quite hard to tell from the TV how hard it was, but maybe give us a bit of insight on what people should expect from this course. It is lush. Like the surrounding scenery is just gorgeous. The Red Rock is like unbelievable. The locals, the volunteers, everyone, the vibe leading up to race week was amazing so if you've qualified or aiming to qualify you're going to absolutely love it um so much so as soon as we arrived we're like we have to come back and that was before the race so i'm like doing all my best now to try and qualify for next year 70.3 i've qualified for the kona there well yeah. the kona there <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um the, the, the world champs there but i want to also do the 70.3 worlds there um uh yeah you'll absolutely love it it's just beautiful the swim is you know it was an, actually it's later isn't it? it's october 22nd i think next year so it could be back to wetsuit swim but yeah really nice swim location uh the bike is stunning I uh the run is very hilly it's probably the hardest run course I've done like it's literally it feels like four miles up a hill then you slam down descent <laughs> but then you go round the roundabout and you go straight there's literally like barely any flat in the run mm-hmm. um you know like okay maybe uh but it's either uh, it feels like it's either up or down so the run is really challenging. It's probably worth looking at the percentage of gradient on the run, um, descent as well as the ascent, um, mm. and finding a local hill and practicing that. Luckily, we've got one which is identical called Beacon um, Hill right next to us. So we've been practicing on that, especially for the descent. Like if you're not used to descending, like I love trail running, so I'm used to descending and the feeling that gives you. Um, mm. So yeah, so it's worth going away. But I didn't find the bike that hilly. Like, but I go for hilly bikes. Like I love like Lanzarote, like our UK courses are really hilly. So I didn't find the bike really hilly. I'd find it like undulating. Um, but other people find it really hilly. So it depends what kind of course you go for. So what, what do you think about the Ironman's move? You know, I think they didn't really have a choice but to move um, move it somewhere for, for May. Um, but going forward, you know, what do you sort of feel like if they moved Ironman world champs from Kona and kind of moved it around like they do for 70.3 world champs, or do you think they should keep Kona as world champs every year? Um, well, I'm very great. I'm just trying to look at all the positives. Like, I'm so grateful we've got a world champs next year, yeah. early-ish. Um, and just so grateful for that, especially professionals. Like, you know, there's a lot of rides on these world championship races for our careers. Um, so really grateful for that. Um, I personally love the fact that it's not going to be humid. (laughs) I don't mind heat, but like, and I don't mind humidity, but for an Ironman distance, it's just grim. Like I wouldn't personally ever choose to go to humidity. Um, So I love that fact. I love the fact that we can all race pretty soon-ish into the season at a world champs. Um, And then you've got to look at this, like everyone's, you know, picking out negatives about the October two-day you know, women first, the men on the Saturday. But you've got to look at the positives. Like, they're trying to put more media into the women's race and the men's race equally. Um, there's now 50 slots um, for females, which are all great positives. Um, they might even start rotating. If they did do two days 
um, consecutive years. They might, you know, switch the men's, might go Thursday one year, you know, mm. alternate it. Um, I don't know, like, it's, it's, one, it's one of those topics, like, no one's going to agree on. It's like, mm. you know, there's certain topics you try to stay away from talking yeah. about, you know, like COVID and people's opinions. Um, okay. But, you know, like, I would like to see it rotate because I think a world champion is a world champion, whether it's hot, cold, hilly, flat, um, a central, an honest course. So, like, you know, it's not complete game over if you're a weaker swimmer. Um, you know, if it's a flat race, like, you know, pace lines are just formed out the first pack of the swim. So it has a lot of benefits. Um, I'd, I would like to see it rotate, but obviously that's just me talking about uh, performance element and just loving to see athletes race on different courses. Um, whether you would say in the future, keep age group racing at Kona and do professionals on rotation of different courses. I don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think just look at the positives, like so easy to get stuck into negatives and be like, oh, but this, but that. <laughs> yeah, good, good attitude. Okay, para, Paralympics time. Um, I think I recall last time we spoke to you, I think your partner might have been involved in the Paralympics sort of set up um, for, for Team GB. Um, you correct me if I'm wrong there, but what, what motivated you for, to, to put your hand up to be a guide for Paralympics? Yeah, like uh, I'll put my hand up and say, firstly, it was because, Bex, my other half, like, um, got a job down here in Loughborough to be lead centre coach of the Paralympic um, British Triathlon programme. Um, and, yeah, and then literally almost a month, two months into her role, um, they put out a Guides for Gold initiatives, which was looking for guides to guide at Paralympic Games. Um, and I, I looked and I thought, do you know what, that sounds awesome. I'll, I'll give it a go like I lit I literally did not know where I would lead and I started it and I was like wow this is pretty amazing and I love being part of a team and you know everything what comes with that so I got involved with it in that way um in 2018 so I started properly in 2019. I mean from a selfish point of view you know what what's in it for you when you're trying to be a professional athlete as well and this is going to be taking away from doing that you know what what is it for, in it for you? Uh, there's there's a lot of benefits um for for an individual doing it um so for me first first of all a massive part of it is the team element um so in terms of team i mean i get a, a center to train at so luck from i have access to pool times and obviously through which i didn't know this would be the case but through covid times like the pool was shut to everyone else but world world class program athletes could swim so i had like a couple of months where not many people in the uk could swim bar anyone who's targeting Olympics and Paralympics. Um, so that was obviously my benefit, which I didn't know would be a benefit at the time. Um, so you have access to the pool, um, but obviously like nutritionists, physiologists, um, SNC, like literally the most world-class setup. Like if I, like I'm clumsy, like I've, most of my injuries come from falling over. So if I like <laughs> literally like a couple of days before I'm at Bolton, like Bex was like, do not go on the trails because you'll fall over. So I went on the road literally a 30 minute run and I fell over and sprained my ankle on the road that's how comes <laughs> down but literally the next that afternoon I was booked in to see the physio um and then uh I put myself forward in race bolton anyway um so that was my decision and then on Monday I was in for a scan like I literally it's just like world-class support like just amazing support system um and then you're um and then what aside from the team element and all that aspect it's just it's basically 
doing whatever you can to help someone to achieve their dreams. And with the list of athletes who put themselves forward, I thought I would be a, one of the best candidates for that role. Mm. Um, and then a bonus is that you're UK sport funded as well. Um, mm. But the team element is the massive part for me. Um, so, so it shifted, obviously it shifted. We, you know, we see routine races much maybe earlier this year. So how did it change your season as your own pro career? Yeah, like um, this year has been really difficult because um, basically um, I didn't just have my races cancelling. We also had the Paralympic side cancelling. Mm. And um, whereas an individual, you could kind of pick and choose other races. With Paralympics, it was like uh, the qualification window opened, I think it was April. And then literally, so you made a race plan with, the, with our, with Alison and Beck's coach and all the team about which race we're going to target to qualify. And then literally a week later, one of them, the, the one major one we were basing, basically going to want to qualify out got cancelled. So you're like, oh my God, what the hell? So literally like you made a race. I reckon in April and May, I had like four race plans and it was just like getting to the point where it was just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, that was really difficult and really challenging. Um, and that's obviously the side which people don't generally see, which is really challenging, but obviously that isn't a normal year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it does have its challenges, 100%. Um, but at the same time, uh, I felt like the benefits outweighed the challenges for sure. What's the, the selection process like for you guys, um, both for getting on the program and then also for pairing you up with an athlete? So, you know, I, I presume you're guiding a, a blind athlete. Um, do they have much say in it? And, and I guess that the chemistry probably has to be right. Yeah, definitely. They have a lot of say in it. Um, when we were going through the selection process in 2018, obviously we had to do, I think it was like two or three rounds of kind of testing. So you had your physical testing, the psychology testing, and then obviously the athlete themselves got to kind of choose which one, which athletes they would kind of prefer to be guided by um, with all the facts and information. And, you, you know, it's never you're on the programme that's set in stone. Like, uh, guides change frequently let me put it that way like it's a mm. it's a yearly frequently change if not sometimes monthly like it's insane mm. um it's not an easy matchup and, and it's not plain sailing in terms of like you know saw a few athletes guides train guides um kind of leave program pretty quick um so yeah it's it's definitely a juggling act and yeah ultimately is the athlete you are guiding who has fundamentally the say and who they want guide how much did you want it you know because you know you put your hand up for something obviously it's appealing um you know it, it's a selection process like how much did you really really want it or was it kind of like if it didn't happen you were quite kept you're kind of either way no um i surprised myself because when i entered the process i was like do you know what? i have no idea where this can go i don't know if it's even what i want to do um but as soon as i started i was like oh god like i really want to be selected yeah. um and i'd have been devastated if i wasn't um, and it's been some of the best experiences of my life. Paralympic Games was amazing. Do you know what? Before the race day itself, like I already said to myself, like I'd love to be back at Paris 2024. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so it's probably literally one of the best things you can do is guiding someone at a Paralympic Games. Like it's it's very special, and that was special in really difficult times, COVID times, where we weren't allowed to leave our hotel room. Um, the race venue we could see out of our hotel and it was like 200 metres away I'm not I'm kidding you not it's literally 200 metres away but you couldn't just walk out your hotel to the race venue you had to be escorted by like police um, the whole place was like on ultimate lockdown 
it was very bizarre. <laughs> Tell us a bit um, who you were guiding and, you know, um, what classification you were doing and, and then we can sort of talk, talk through the race a bit. Yeah, so I'm, I was guiding Alison Peasgood. She's one of two VI athletes on the programme. Um, there's another athlete called Melissa. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was paired up with Alison pretty much from the word go. Um, and for anyone who's not aware, so there's, it's, it, our classification is PTBI, uh, visually impaired athletes. Um, and there's three different kind of, I don't know, uh, for, so it's B1. So B1s are completely blind athletes. So they can't literally see anything. They go off, this is the bit which is a bit complicated because they go off three minutes and 48 seconds in front of mm. B2 and B3, of which Alison and Melissa are. Wow. Which is a lot over us. And it's and people are like, oh my God, that's so much over a lipid distance. I was like, no, this is over a sprint distance. Like oh, it's wow. a lot. I know. So like, especially because um, uh, it gets even more complex. So like the B1 start and then there's other waves what go in between you. And you are literally, uh, B2 and B3 literally are the last way of the VI category to go. So like when you watch them go, you're like, Jesus, they're like halfway around the sprint already. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a long way. Um, and yeah, so Alison and Melissa and B, B2 and B3. Um, and yeah. Yeah, talk, talk us through each discipline and what your role is and, and how you're kind of connected, whether it's a tether and, and the bike and the, and the run, et cetera. So, so talk us through what, what you do during the race. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot what goes on uh, with guiding. So it's not just literally the race. It's like setting up transition, um, uh, that kind of stuff, like walking. So basically for uh, para and Olympic distance races, there's like the day before, a couple of days before, there's like a run course recce, a swim course recce, a bike course recce. Um, and they tend to be a lot of laps. So like the bike, even though it's only 20K, is usually four laps. Um, and the run's like four laps or three laps. Um, so you go through all those things, but you also have to like, so we start off, say, the bike course recce, and I'll just be talking constantly at the cornering, kind of like the degree bends, that kind of stuff. And then you kind of try and take out the talk so that Alison can just feel the movement because on race day, she basically doesn't really want me to talk that much because she wants me to just smash it on the bike. <laughs> yeah. um, so like all the build-up is, um, I'd say is almost as big as the part of the race, if that makes sense. So then on the race day, so you set up transition and then um i'm tethered to allison in the swim so we'll jump in the water of which you're holding onto the pontoon and i'll just grab her arm and kind of generally kind of point her arm into the direction of where, where we're going to be swimming in um and then yeah if it's done by tap um so like i won't give away all the taps because uh. even if i'm not working with allison in the future like she might not want me to to yeah. kind of say those taps uh, but like, for instance, one I can talk about is when you're going around the boy, I have to smack her around the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it took me a while to kind of come around with how hard she needs me to hit her head. Like, I did not feel comfortable about it. But now you, you literally have to smack her around the head. Because if it's a slight tap, she might get that tap from another athlete. Um, yeah. So yeah, the kind of communication is done on tap and feel and the swim. And then you come out. Just, just one other thing on the swim, sorry. Um, yeah. I know your swim is not your strongest point, but how yeah. close were you guys in terms of swimming ability? Were you still uh, significantly stronger? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, like, when I'm fit, a good 10 seconds per 100, perhaps. Right. Um, okay. But, yeah, it depends on Alison's fitness levels. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's fine. I'm in my comfort zone in the swim. Cool. Carry um, on. So you're coming out of the swim? Yes, come out of the swim, kind of, 
uh, run guide up to the bike. I'll kind of say, peeling off to the bike in two ones. She'll peel off to her side. I'll take the tether off, put it in her box, and then I go around to my side, put my helmet on, and that's basically all you need to put on. It's pretty, it's very quick transitions. Jump on the bike, of which the bike for me, I can absolutely destroy. Like when I do a race, I aim to just absolutely go max out on the bike because the run is really within my comfort zone. So I don't have to worry about the run. Okay. So I just basically kill myself on the bike. But, you know, there's so much communication that needs to go on, like get, getting on and off the bike itself. Like, um, you know, other athletes on the course, like Tokyo came down a massive ramp to the right and then pretty much transition and dismount line was pretty soon after that. So try thinking about kind of getting two people's feet out their shoes on top and fly and dismount. Oh. It's, there's a lot going on. Um, I would say I come away from racing more mentally drained than physically. Physically, like oh, really? after Paralympics, I went for a 40 minute swim and a two hour run. Like I didn't feel physically tired, yeah. but mentally I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just a lot of stress um, as well, I guess. Um, so yeah. I guess you, so you're, you're on the front on the bike, I'm assuming doing the steering and you're just yeah. sort of telling, saying when corners coming up so the inside foot can be up and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, there's a lot of benefit if Alison's doing the skill really well as well, that the bike just moves so much nicer. Um, oh, so you get all that, yeah. On the run, yeah. You know, obviously you're doing a lot of sighting, I imagine, um, but also uh, how much are you motivating? Uh, like, I, well, Alison tells me to show up a lot of the time, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, because obviously like uh, Tokyo, Tokyo was really quite technical run course. So there's a lot of like up, down, left, right kind of thing dead turns um and then like you know i'll tell her where everyone is in the course there was um a lot of aid stations fluid as you can imagine being hot and humid but then we also had like a special needs of the coach uh which we came to every lap which was pretty much every got like one point something k um but it was the coach was on allison's side so we had to, and there's certain zones in the race where that uh, the guide can lead for like i don't know say 50 meters 20 meters and that was one of the zones so i'd have to, so we had to of course recce practice where i would come completely in front of her cut her up get her special needs nutrition bring it back across and give it to her um so there's so much what's going on like so much and that's i'd say the biggest part of guiding is all the communication allison trusts me my decisions and that kind of stuff mm. so how did the race go for you guys yeah, I mean, so Alison's had a really tricky road for the last two years, not going to lie. Like, since my first, literally my first guided race, we won by, I don't know, 70 seconds. It was a pretty comfortable win. And that went fantastically. And then since then, she's literally had been injured or ill. I, I haven't gone to a race with her in the last two years where she's turned up fit and ready to go. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, so she's had a lot of health issues in 2019. She crashed her bike and COVID in 2020. So 2021 was a massive pressure of getting qualified. Um, and then pretty much qualified, then she was injured, went to holding camp on crutches, and we got the clear, all clear to race like five days out. Like there was talks Ooh. of, like I'd looked at my flights to come home and not even go to Tokyo itself. Oh, wow. um, it was also my brother's wedding on our race day. So if we weren't oh. racing, I was going to come back to my brother's wedding. So yeah, yeah it was, it was felt like it was a miracle to be on the start line, if I'm honest. Um, yeah uh so yeah and um the b all the podium sweep on the female side was completed by b1s and they all had great races and to be fair the b1s have moved on during covid times like they've been yeah. fit and wow i mean they've had their own challenges but they've moved on yeah. um and i 
I think it was two seconds. We came fourth. We came fourth. So missed a bronze by two seconds. Oh, but, oh, yeah. Gaining the whole time. But to be honest, like it was just a miracle to be on the start line. That's that's how it felt. Um, so yeah. So um, it seems like art oh, so close. But if people knew behind the scenes of you know Alison, I don't think trained that much in the month leading up, if not a couple of months yeah. leading up. Um, so yeah, it was uh, great to be on the start line. <laughs> Great. Now, was I mean, I know Laura Siddell. I initially contacted her, um, and she was a reserve guide. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah. I heard Andy Potts was out there as well, guiding for the American um, men's team. Was there many other, um, you know, former well-known triathletes or current well-known triathletes out there? Yeah, the French um, Cyril. Is it, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Sort of. He he. They just came second actually at the Europeans to our pair, Dave and Luke. Yeah. To, I can't pronounce his name, but yeah, French, a French former pro. I think he went, I think he retired from pro racing individually to focus on it. And Martin Cyril um, Vino. Um, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think there was a few because I man did a tweet, uh, or not a tweet, a few posts, social media posts saying good luck to our pro athletes guiding at Tokyo, which was really nice. And there must have been four or, four or five people on that list. Cool. Very Jeez. good. Mm. Awesome. Any, anything else about the experience that maybe you want to get out there that, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much Paralympics coverage gets in different parts of the world. You know, it gets some coverage down here, but I don't, we didn't, I don't think we had any triathletes. So yeah. Anything else about the Paralympics you want to get out there? Yeah. It's, like, it's such a fantastic sport. And for instance, our country, we're like always looking, this is obviously a plug for, for any athletes who might want to give, um, triathlon ago um or are coming across from another sport like say claire cashmore she's i think she'll kill me if i didn't go this right seven times paralympic medalist in swimming has come across triathlon just won a bronze um so people switch over from sports um and uh i guess personally i'd love to guide at uh paris so if there's any visually impaired athletes out there but (laughs) yeah it doesn't get the coverage it needs and wants and deserves um so coverage is massive um i mean it's getting better and better but um yeah i guess it just and like bex in her role wants to create a team that you know other teams always like right how do we beat the brits kind of thing and just move the sport on um so yeah and anyone out there like give guiding a go because it's one of the most rewarding things you can do like it's absolutely and it doesn't need to go to a paralympic games like there's so many people locally and it might not even be in triathlon like running um or just tandem cycling there's ever there's so many athletes out there who need a guide and it is it is absolutely brilliant like and i would love to be at paris um and so that is so the ambition is to do it again i'd love to do it again but uh i don't know how how much i should get my hopes up because obviously next year we'd need to find an athlete and then basically Paralympic qualification starts the year after that. It's a really short Paralympiad um, with Paris only being three years away. So I don't really know where it's going to go. But, you know, if British triathlon want to kind of do a recruitment system, I'd be more than happy to get involved. Um, So yeah, we'll watch the space, see where it goes. But otherwise until then, I'll just be focusing on individual career um, and got big goals for next year. Awesome. So you're done racing for this season? No, I'm actually going to Lanzarote tomorrow. Um, oh. I'm going on training camp um, and I'm going to do the 70.3 whilst I'm there. And then I'm yeah. going to do Portugal 70.3 and our cross-country season starts as well. So I'm going to have a break 
uh, from the triathlon side um, after Portugal 7.3 and then have a good off season like I like nothing in training peaks for like a month yeah. um, and then build up to St George Ironman World Championships in May awesome I'm uh, looking forward um, to you smashing it out there. So if, if anybody wants to follow you. you, is there any best means to do that? Your Instagram, what's your what's your deal? Uh, Instagram and Facebook is the ones I mainly use. So I think Facebook's like Nick Bartlett Triathlete and uh, Instagram. I think it's just Nick Bartlett. I think it's got uh, a number one. You were late to it. You were late to it. I was very late to Instagram. Um, so you set it up and it's like, oh no, Nicky Bartlett's taken uh, number one. Oh no, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> Awesome. Love your work. It was great to see you doing well at 70.3 Worlds. And uh, it's, I'm loving just finding out a bit more about Paralympics because, as you said, it doesn't really get enough coverage. And uh, well done on you for being out there and enjoying it. So thanks for your time and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Jombo, your thoughts? It's all good. Paralympics, I've, I've actually, um, yeah, from a race director's point of view, it's something I need to work harder at is trying to promote um, mm. para-athletes. So I, I literally had an email the week before last about if, um, somebody who wanted to do one of my events the Oxman race a half Ironman event yep. uh, and she was just asking all the little questions and I was like oh man you know, I haven't really factored that in haven't factored that in haven't factored that in uh, so it's something how I'd much like does it to change what you have to do it'd be a lot of work wouldn't it well it depends on the race doesn't it it does like, well, for this event in particular I, I kind of said the owner, I'm happy for you to have, a, have the categories but the onus is kind of I had to put the onus back on her yep. because this person um, has lost a, a limb and a leg and so then you've got to think about getting out of the swim um, but, and in this particular event you have to go like a stock bank and then run okay. across some uneven grass she was saying well I've looked at the different intersections on the bike I can't really click out very easily and you've got all these right hand turns okay. um, and you've got to think about that you've got to think about the dismount and having some assistance there so Do you know it's um, a really tough one yeah. for a race director isn't it because and this I don't want to sound like I'm discriminating here but realistically you're probably going to get two or three maximum people mm. who, who would race in, you know and the cost and the you know, the procedure behind all that logistically is a lot. Mm. I, can, I can imagine it can come up to a lot, but we want to get people into the sport. Mm. So it's a real dilemma because it's like, how much do you want to invest time and money into for three people, if, if you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong to do that, but it, it does make it challenging, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day... Well, it's just for me. I just don't know all the bloody procedures and what I'm... And, and you're, you're running know. a business. Yeah. You know, so it's a tough, but we... I don't want to sound like a prick here, but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a challenging situation. Mm. Mm. Okay, Jombo, uh, Wanger of the Week. Okay, and let's say number 17. I don't know why I said 17, I just did. Okay, number 17. Good old Scott Markham. Scott Markham. What's he been up to? Oh, no, that's this week. This week. Oh, he's, he's got off to a very good start if he's number 17 this yeah, week. Scott Markham, he's from uh, England. Uh, this week's number 17 is Ryan Evans. He did 18 hours and 37 minutes of training from 16 activities, 3 hours 35 minutes of swimming, 10 hours 24 on the bike, and 4 hours and 38 on the run. So nice, even balanced week there by Ryan. And he is from Ronda Sinon. Jeez, that's somewhere in bloody Wales. It's near Cardiff. It's got a CF postcode, so it must be near Cardiff. Ronda Simon Tuff. Ronda yeah, Rhonda Simon Tough, I think. He's got here, 49-year-old, has been, got the T-shirts, but they don't fit anymore. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> nice. It looks like he's got a young fella there that he's uh, taking out on the bike while he runs. So he looks like he's running the dog. The kid's got the helmet on and uh, hasn't got any pictures of the bike. He's there. got the Iron Man's head on the calf. I can see it. 
He did. He's got, he had a pretty consistent uh, year all the way through. Um, he's been doing a bit of Zwifting in the last week or so, and his longest bike ride he's ever done, 178.2 kilometres. Kind of wonder if that's in, a, in an Ironman or not. And on the running front, let's see if he's run longer than a marathon before. Well, they don't do the longest ever run. That's a bit disappointing. Oh, he's run 11,000. He has had a marathon. It's yep. 401. That's estimated times. Oh, this is estimated. My estimated marathon times are 405. Oh, that's disappointing. I think I can beat that. Yeah, that's disappointing. I think I can struggle in. Uh, so nice work. So, uh, nice he even has the shoes. What do you mean? He's done 400K. He's in his Brooks Ghosts. Nice. <laughs> so there you go. It's so Ryan Evans, you are our winner of the week. week. Actually, and he's got five weeks till his next race. He's doing on the 9th of October, 2021. He's doing middle distance race. Okay. John, what was your swim set? Last week, got back in the pool again for my second second or third swim since lockdown. Was it frustrating again? Uh, it, was just, it was slightly better, slightly better. 400 metres warm-up, 300 metres doing 25 kick, 25 drill, 25 free. And then we had two little main sets where we're just doing a little bit of intensity. So we did four times through, 200 metres steady, and then you have a rest. 100 metres moderately hard, you have a rest, repeat that through four times. Two times 100, individual medley, easy, just to loosen off the shoulders in some different directions. And then finish with nine times 100, descend one to three, four to six, seven to nine. So that means sort of going 100 steady, 100 moderate, 100 hard, steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard, with about 10 seconds rest in between. Warm down, and that was 3K, and that's the longest I've swum since lockdown started, which what, must have been six weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe. How, how did it feel? Uh, it's Pretty rough. It's getting a little bit. It's only my third swim, though. And I'm missing a swim today because I'm up here doing this podcast. Oh, you're committed, mate. I like that. You're committed. Uh, okay, let's say a big thank you to our patrons. Uh, John, where you go first? Adam, Crazy Legs, Fox. We've got Matt, Ryan Brown, Charlton. And Luke, the cover, Parker. Uh, if you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me, go through the process, get a gift, support the boys, go and draw to win some prizes. Uh, also, if you want to get show emailed to you, go down to the bottom of the front page, put your details in. If you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com, my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com, other content like Edge Group of the Week, cool websites and other stuff, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goals? Uh, I was race directing on Sunday, and it's fair to say it was close to the most miserable conditions I've ever had organising a race. Oh, really? <laughs> it was not nice. What made it even worse? On Sunday. What what made it worse? It was at, a bit out of town. It was like forty five minute drive out of town. Oh. Drive back into town, and it hadn't rained. Where were you? <laughs> In Southbridge, which is. Oh, okay. um, it's a home for you rugby supporters. It's the home of Dan Carter. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And they have a sign showing you. It was yeah, it was miserable. It was raining. It was cold. Thankfully, it wasn't um, windy. And you were unlucky because I was doing voice work at the Dog Marathon mm. at Burwood Forest, and uh, it, 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 it stayed clear until basically until the race finished. Mm. Yeah, and it wasn't fun. And to make matters worse, I had my niece and nephew there. They're um, over here from Nigeria, and so it's you know, it's not very warm for them over here no, compared to what they're no. used to. And they're not sporty, really. And but they decided they wanted to do a little duathlon. I had a kids yeah. duathlon around the field. They did like a four hundred meter run, maybe maybe a k and a half on the bike, and then the same again on the run again. And it was miserable. <laughs> they were cold before, and my niece she was in tears at the finish. And I oh, don't really? think it was the most enjoyable experience. <laughs> so like, I'm never going to do triathlon again. First <laughs> time ever, and it was like a miserable experience. I said, "Hey, it can only get better from here on up. <laughs> the only way is up." So, so that was that was that, and that was my weekend. Just when you have a day like that, how many people met who signed up to race? 
So I think I had about 149 signed up. And how many actually turned up? Uh, more than I expected, to be honest. Well, probably because it was all right in town. Yeah, uh, uh, I think we had 122 finishes and probably you know a handful of DNFs. So I'd probably say oh, okay. 130, okay. which was more than I expected. Yeah, because I was because but I think you were lucky because it actually wasn't that bad in town. Mm. You know, they probably went out there. And, oh no! Did have one, one of our patrons, John Fredrickson, <laughs> put on his program, bike out there and do it. <laughs> he biked out and you you, you got hypothermic. Oh you, really? You, it was couldn't, horrible. you couldn't race if you'd biked out there. Uh, and then we had a couple of other regular listeners as well, and they there were some long transitions. Put it that way, you couldn't get your helmet. One of those days, you couldn't get your helmet oh, off. Really? Couldn't get your shoes on, uh, and it was pretty miserable. You heading away? Heading away to Kaiteri this week. So this time next week, I'll be doing some freezing open water swimming with my son. Ooh. And I'm going to do a little mountain bike duathlon this weekend. Ooh. A race or just a... It looks like a pretty low, very low-key race. Up, up there? Yes. Oh, that's cool. cool. Hmm. What about you, Bevan? Coming in your world. Well, I'm about to go see the grinder. Go to see the grinder? Yeah, get my teeth done. Grind, yeah. That's not good. Um, tell you what. You wouldn't watch the league on Saturday night, did you? No, but you'll be happy. Oh, no, you won't be happy because we won the rugby again. You want, you want us to lose all the time to get the coach set. No, no, the coach is committed now, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> tell you what, it was contrasting. Rugby's got a problem. Yes, Rugby is boring to watch. Mm. and Because they had the game of league on Saturday. So you basically had Penrith versus the Storm. And it was probably one of the, one of the greatest games of sport I've seen in a long time. At halftime, John, you sort of seen these guys. It was like they would, they were... I've never seen fatigue at the, at just at halftime. Mm. Like it was like, the, you know when you see a game of sport and everyone's just dead at the end of the game? Yeah. Or like that halftime. And so at like halftime I was thinking, oh my God, these guys are absolutely dead. And awesome game. And then the rugby came on and it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> a, South Africa play boring rugby. B, as I was saying on the news last night, there was only 30 minutes of gameplay. It was interesting you say I, I was going to be because we had daylight savings yeah. over here and it's fair to say I didn't get a lot of sleep on Saturday night yeah. but I was going to bed and I thought I wonder what's happening in the rugby and there was 10 minutes to go and I yeah. thought it was really close so I, I put it on and just watched it on my phone for 10 minutes and uh, I was like why are they just kicking it the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> this is stupid. It was, it was, and I, think, I think it's a problem for rugby because rugby is at its best it's such a beautiful game but it, there's a potential for it to be you know and all sports have that but no. You, you know, I just watched this game of league and it was just on the edge of your seat for like 80 minutes right from the minute it kicked off right to the end it was just awesome sport and then you're watching rugby and you're going this is just boring as yeah, crap so yeah come on they're on a slippery slope other than that John just get my teeth done let's get out of here I'm Russ I'm Endo train hard train smart kicker, kicker.